They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a cat subscription box service full of surprises delivered to your door every month. And stay tuned for a special offer just for our listeners, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John, how are you? Doing pretty good, buddy. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And today, wow, what a guest we have. This is somebody who, I guess, if we were to make our list of guys we never thought we'd be talking to, this guy would be right towards the top, and that is the Puerto Rican legend, former WWF superstar, Savio Vega, the head of Los Bariquas, if you will. But uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But, John, what would you say your impressions are of Savio? And there's so much that we could have talked to him about, but when you got him going on all his Puerto Rican uh, legacy, it seemed like he had some great stories ready to pull out and about as rapid fire as you could uh, possibly imagine. Yeah, Savio was awesome. I love talking to him about Puerto Rico because you know that's something near and dear to his heart. He's super passionate about it. Great to hear a story about Carlos Colon, obviously, who's the king of Puerto Rico. And then he had some great stories about Abdul the Butcher, not only teaming with him, but facing off against him, too, in a big-time feud. So talking to him about Puerto Rico was a lot of fun, especially when he was TNT. Great uh, gimmick, great character. He went into supreme detail about all the inner workings of TNT and how they went about the character and the gimmick and how, the, you know, how he was used on TV and not used on the house shows. So awesome stuff from Salvio, and he, like you said, he's definitely one of those guys you wouldn't expect uh, to be able to interview, but you know, we got him. Yeah, totally, and actually one thing that uh, we didn't talk about, but he brought this guy up, and that is that Savio was in the building the night that Bruiser Brody was murdered, and he goes on to actually mention uh, how much of an impact Brody made on his career and telling him to really start looking outside of just Puerto Rico and outside of international competition and make the jump to the big time. And of course, as I've said in this interview probably about three or four times, he is the most under one of the most underrated guys of the new generation. What is uh, what's something that stands out to you about Savio when he made that transition from international superstar to international megastar? And that's working for Vince in the WWF. Yep, you know, Savio's run there is kind of underrated, like you said, but it's funny because you, you you seem to forget about Quang. He had some great matches, especially against Bret Hart and guys like The Undertaker. And then slowly but surely, you know, he becomes Savio Vega and uh, becomes a big-time star, very popular. Obviously, with Razor Ramon, they were a great team together. But a lot of people seem to forget he put Stone Cold Steve Austin on the map. He had a big-time feud in 96 with Austin. You know, it's, it's funny, you're looking back at it, you kind of like, you were like, yeah, I don't know so much about this feud. And then you rewatch it, and you're like, man, this is pretty damn good. They had some great battles, some classic matches, and he really got Austin over. I mean, he really put him on the map, and uh, obviously we know what happened uh, to Stone Cold Steve Austin after he feuded with Salvia Vega. 
Yeah, Savio definitely uh, helped put him on the map, and it was really his first big-time feud. Another great story talking about how that came about with uh, Pat Patterson just kind of saying that these, these are two guys that need to work, and why don't we just put them together, and that's how it came about. But I guess uh, my final question to you would be, before we get to throw into the interview and before we do a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, is if you could rebook Savio, and if you could do something different with him. Now, he had Los Bariquas, which was a great underrated faction, of the Attitude Era. He was a part of the Nation of Domination. He was massively over as a face as just Savio Vega. Quang was an interesting character, but if there was something else that you could do with him on the main stage that wasn't done, what would it have been? Well, first of all, I don't think I would have turned him heel when they did because he was still over. It was I don't know, it was just weird. It almost didn't fit at that point in time in turning him. So I would have kept him a face and I probably would have put the IC strap on him. And, uh, you know, to see where he went from there, kind of made him a good upper mid-card guy, make him a champ, make him important, and use him for what, I mean, what you could work with him. He could get guys over. He's a great wrestler, a great worker. So I definitely wouldn't have turned him heel, but kept him a face and put the IC title around his waist. I completely agree. And there was definitely, there was no uh, shortage of intercontinental title I guess you could say performers, uh, level performers at that point. So it's definitely a great talk. Savio is awesome. He's very open and he's really, really, he's actually great. We didn't even get into it, but very insightful about what's going on in the business today and how much it's changed. But with that being said, I guess we'll just, we'll move on. And before we get to a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, I mentioned earlier, today's episode is brought to you by Meow Box. And as a special introduction just for our listeners, Meow Box is going to give us 10% off your first subscription by using the code POWERTRIP10. It's all capitals. POWERTRIP10. Go to meowbox.com. Enter that in. Get 10% off your first subscription. Take advantage of it. I'm looking at a a very little, little, very cute, fussy little cat who does love Meowbox herself, but I'm not going to tell you about that. I'm going to hand it over to Lucy's daddy over here, and that is prime time to take us the rest of the way. Yes, most important for picky cats like mine, like Lucy, who has a special diet, they have an option to receive a meow box with no edible items. Yes, that's right. They replace the food and treats with more toys and surprises, so Lucy and hopefully your cat will enjoy that. But if you do go with the edible option, all the items are made in the great old U.S. of A. or in Canada, so you actually know where all the ingredients are actually coming from. Also, with your Meow Box, you can get it personalized by hand with your cat's name written on the inside of the box. So that is awesome. Also, another great program they have is One Box Can. Every Meow Box purchase, they donate some food to a shelter cat on your behalf. So that is also great. Please check out MeowBox.com. Promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off. Of your first subscription, again, meowbox.com. Please enter promo code POWERTRIP10. Now some TMP, excuse me, TMPT business. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WrestlingPal at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Please check out the awesome clip. We just put up a good one with Glacier talking about the backstage stuff in WCW. Some great stuff from Chavo Guerrero Jr. Austin Idol's got a good thing talking about Stan Hansen in Japan. Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura talking about their relationship in WCW and so much more. So check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us there. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Now also when you're on iTunes, check out the feed and check out all past episodes including 
Diamond Dallas Page, Nikita Koloff, the aforementioned Jesse the Body Ventura, the late great Dusty Rhodes, and so many more. So please subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, check out the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And now, without any further ado, send to one of the most underrated wrestlers of the new generation, TNT himself, one of the greatest Puerto Rican wrestlers of all time. He is Salvio Vega. Please enjoy. I'm actually, I am so honored to have on the show. He's uh, probably the most unspoken hero of the WWE's new generation, but that's just such a small part of his career. He's literally a legend all over the world, and that is Savio Vega. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, uh, since John told me, I said, yes, of course, let's do it. And uh, I mean, like I said before, sorry, I got cut in, in you know, some situation over here. But everything cool, everything uh, all right. Uh, and thank you for your words. You know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of fans around the, the United States and, and the world uh, got in touch with me, you know, by by messenger or whatever. And uh, I mean, I, I know that I touch a lot of fans, uh, you know, with my work. And in, in, uh, I mean, I feel, you know, that feel good. Feel good. <laughs> Oh, it should. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, like I said, when it comes to your WWE career, obviously, like I said, one of the most unfor- you know, unsung sorry, heroes of that generation. But, you know, if you just do your homework or if you're a dedicated yeah. fan of the business, you, just, you know you've done so much all over the world. And I actually got to ask you because you're still you're heavily, heavily involved in the business. What's your take on the business today versus maybe 20 years ago when you were uh, on the WWE main roster? Like, what, what do you think about where the business has evolved to at this point? Well, talking about, I mean, wrestling in general, you know, of course, it's a new big-time generation of wrestlers. And, uh, I mean, they, they try to do the best they can out there. You know, uh, it's, a, uh, I mean, for, forever being – uh, so been so uh, so many um, indies, and they try to work hard as they, they can. They have, I mean, they have the YouTube, they have whatever it takes to to promote their companies, and the work those guys doing, you know, some some one percent of those guys, they still working like the old times. They take their time. The other percent. I mean, they go so fast in the ring doing crazy stuff. I mean, if you see in the old timers, you know, see so many guys hurt. Right now, in this new generation, it's a bunch of kids out there with broken whatever. They broke their life. I mean, broken necks, legs, knees, whatever. Because they try to do, I don't know what. They try to do the evil can evil in wrestling. You know, and hey, yeah, if you take it one step at a time, work a hole, work your, your timing inside the ring, hey, you're going to have the same reaction. Maybe do something here, there, you know, but you cannot wrestle 100 miles per hour every day because you're going to blow your engine. Go 25, go high on some, maybe a 50, go back down, go back maybe 75, go back down, go 100, go back down, work the people. 
you know, now talking about WWE, of course, I mean, we all know uh, they do the PG, the R, you know, whatever. And uh, I don't watch too much WWE right now. I watch and, and I see what they post or whatever who posts stuff on on Facebook and, and, and send me some videos here or there. Uh, I mean, it's a brand that they just work for the money. And, and uh, I mean... But what they're doing right now is, is it's a lot a lot better than what they do in six months ago, you know. Uh, and of course, they on the road to WrestleMania, big time. And from this point on, everything's going to be interesting in what's going to happen in WrestleMania. Yeah, totally. It's always uh, it's a great way to start, you know, at the end of the summer and build all the way to WrestleMania, but you made a great point about how the style of some of the kids that are getting into the business today is just so fast-paced. But do you think it has a lot to do with the fact that, unfortunately, and I mean, I know it's how time evolves, but that generation that really brought your generation into pro wrestling is now, unfortunately, getting older. They're not really breaking guys in. Do you think it's uh, having to do with really finding the right guy to break you in and teach you a style rather than just go on YouTube and find something that you think is cool. But yeah, I mean, you got a point right there, too. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, it, they have to go out there and, and look. They, I, I believe, I believe they don't looking for wrestlers. They're looking for a pretty boys, pretty guys, guys with nice body, guys that they, they could uh, build, you know, and, and make their own guys. And, and uh, I mean, it's a brand. They have to protect the brand no matter what, and they have to do whatever they have to do. So that's what they do in, you know, looking for <clears throat> those type of, of person uh, and, and building and making somebody out of those guys. I mean, take time. You see when they have all those starts, they're, uh, you know, they're here right now, they're working right now. A couple of years ago when they started, everybody's like, what the hell is going on here? That's not good. That's this and blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody was, you know, throwing rocks on that, you know. But right now, I mean, a couple of years later, a couple of stories later, I mean, everybody loved those guys, of course. I mean, but they have to, <clears throat> sorry, they have to, they have to have, you know, one guy after the other pushing whoever. Right now, like, uh, uh, let me see, uh, Kevin, I believe it's Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Owens. Uh, the name Owens. That guy. I mean, he's he's a great guy. I saw I saw a couple of things of him, and and he have he have the timing. He's he's not going hundred miles per hour. He's timing. He's working. He do moonsault. He do whatever. But when the time is right, so you see that guy. He's like, like he's a wrestler. He looks like a work in a bar. But hey, <laughs> when he go inside the ring, he know what to do. You have his timing, you know, and I mean, I, I, they pushing the guy, and that's good because he deserved to be somebody there big time because finally somebody that know how to work, and of course, they what they doing with the uh, uh, NXT. I mean, I watched video uh, maybe six months ago from uh, the guys that work there. I mean, wow. I mean, I was amazed with the performer of those uh, those guys. So I don't know them by the names. I'm sorry, but uh, 
I saw some some uh, performers, guys over there, and I, I was amazed. You know, the the, day, the the timing they work, what they doing, and and that's good. I mean, WWE in that part have that uh, land to plant those seeds. You know, and that's great. That's that's good. I love that. I love that part in where they they have. But once again, the guys cannot go. 100 miles per hour because you're going to crash. You're going to hurt yourself. You need to stop. It's like the the guys, that happened here in Puerto Rico. When I work with some uh, independents here, you know, and uh, I watch some of the matches or the guys that work with me, it happened the same. They want to do so many things. In, in, in one move, look like a, like a dancer. You know, they want, they move this way, the other way, they turn around, come about. I mean, at the end, the people go, whoa, okay, but you have to do 25 moves to get just one reaction? You know, work the people, build the match, get the, the, the comeback reaction, get the, the, the reaction of the, uh, of the uh, finish, you know, and that way you could look and take your time, breathe, and come out of that ring in one piece. Yes, definitely. And speaking of Puerto Rico, you were obviously a yeah. big star for Puerto Rico dating way back, you know, late 80s, even, you know, early 90s, obviously, with the WWC, and you were TNT. Can you talk about your days yeah. working in Puerto Rico during basically a huge heyday for them when it was pandemonium in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Um, I come to Puerto Rico. I was, of course, working here. Uh, in, with different names till they, you know, they find out where they're going to send me. They sent me to Louisiana to Mid-South Wrestling with Bill Watts. Then I went to Mexico for four months. And uh, in Mexico, I was like, hey, there's nothing here for us. I want to go back home, you know. So they said, no, stay there a little bit. I said, it's not working. Uh, I got to go. So they said, okay, come, come on. Let's see what we could do. And we sit down and brainstorm, and uh, boom, here come TNT, knowing my, my martial arts and stuff like that. So basically, we went the opposite of what a Mexican wrestler from the old timers, they called, he, he was calling TNT. But this guy was a, a big hairy guy, big beard, big hair, long hair, blah, blah, whatever. So we went the opposite, bald head painted face and by that time the road warriors was with you know painted face was kabuki around so hey let's try this let's see what happened so i remember when uh my first tv match as a tnt uh breaking into a big time professional uh jose gonzalez i remember he come and he walked me through the door and says if you make it you stay if you fail, you out right now. I know what that, that opportunity, I'm not going to miss it for nothing in life. I say, this is going to be for me. Don't worry. And I went inside there because I worked with those same guys in different times. In, in not the same guys. I mean, jobbers or whatever. And, and those job, jobbers, by that time, they have a lot of experience in, in here in Puerto Rico. So to to Getting that company before you you need to have experience working in the rain and uh, 
so when I went inside the ring, this first guy, he tried to take me down. He tried to work. You know, I, I guess they sent him to break me. But I was so concentrated that I'm going to make it that nothing, you know, bothered me. So I just went in there and do my job. And the people, when they saw me paint the face, uh, dressing with this kimono, karate kimono, whatever, they said, who the hell is this motherfucker? So when I did uh, what I did, they love it. And after that right there, they booked the other two matches. And I just did like uh, two-minute two matches for TV. You just uh, come in and destroy the guys and get out. From there, they they decide to have me just on TV. I know I don't work on house show for almost a year. I was just TV. You want to see this guy? You have to come to TV. Of course, that helped the guy. That helped the uh, the house on TV. Helped me, of course, through the uh, uh, the, the story. So every time you want to see this TNT mysterious guy, you have to come down. And on TV, I was destroying everybody. I was, you know, zero and one for over a year, you know, killing everybody. So we worked the story where our target was Carlos Colon because he was the universal champ. And now we focus on we won the belt and blah, blah, blah. So we did a story on TV against Carlos for uh, uh, just regular match. If you beat me, I give you the, you know, the old time. If you beat me, I give you the opportunity. So we went there to destroy Carlos, blah, blah, blah. Here come everybody to save Carlos because my finish was the, the kick, also the cobra clunch. So what I did is I put the cobra clunch on him, and I'm not going to wake him up. See ya. So, hey, you have to wake him up, blah, blah, blah. So now I got more heat on uh, – Carlos and, and, you know, and on, on the story. So TNT, you know, was big time here in Puerto Rico. Still, the people uh, talk to me about the, the stories of TNT, the Fabio Vega stuff, what we do here in Puerto Rico as a, in, in the IWA. So uh, it's a bunch of uh, guys from 30, 25, they grow up watching TNT. And I have someone, you know, talk to me and see me. Say, so I remember I got the makeup of my mom, and I paint my face as, as you, you know, because we want to play. We want to play uh, the the TNT, you know. And uh, stories of the fans here uh, talk to talk to me and telling me crazy stuff. What they doing? They got the mattress of the house and put it down and, and jumping, you know, doing the ninja stuff. And, I mean, funny, funny stuff, funny stuff. But the TNT was big time here. Especially when TNT turned babyface. When I turned babyface, I mean, wow. Lucky of me, uh, I, I could say, we have uh, this director, Miguel Paul. Miguel was a visionary on, 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 on wrestling, on, on different stuff. So he'll look at me and say, I want to do a video of you. So, well, what do you want to do? So let me, let me sit down and and do some research here. So one day you say, are you ready to tell us? Let's go. We took us almost a month. We did a movie, basically. Uh, <clears throat> we took, took us a month to tape. Uh, and was, was, uh, yeah, was when I went to Russell Carlos for the belt. So 
what we did, we went to the El Junque rainforest. We went to one of the cascades there. Uh, I sit down next to the water, doing some martial arts stuff. We went to the beach in uh, Loiza, which is uh, next to San Juan area. And uh, we shoot all the stuff over here, over there. We went to Naranjito, it's another place here, another town here in Puerto Rico. It's another river with another big, nice cascade. And I was there and doing some karate movement. Then I went on the water, you know, down, down the water. When I went down, uh, people saw me like, oh, he went down. So, the, the, I mean, if you see that video, you see that the camera, me going down in the water, you see the shot, nobody, of course, there. So when the camera come back, the camera is on the water with me. That was shot in the pool, in the pool in Salinas, Puerto Rico. Uh, the, the, this swimming pool is for the Olympics. They have the big glass. So I was on the water doing some kata, of, you know, karate kata. So the camera come back on top of the water, and I'm still down. The people ask me, how long you was in the water? I said, like five minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> they still buy. They still buy, and then I was on the water for five minutes. So, <clears throat> so we went. We took us almost a month to to shoot this. I mean, we went to took a all day shoot here, shoot there, blah blah blah. So when that that video play on TV, everybody, my friend, you could ask wrestling fans here right now in Puerto Rico about that video. They feel talking about that. They're gonna be like, oh yeah, I remember when he went under the water and blah 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 blah. You know. And uh, I mean, it was good. It was good when I when I come uh, I, when I turned babyface was was great, great uh, story what we did here in in the island. And still, when I did my my comeback like a year ago I, as a TNT big time, I mean, it was was good. It was very 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 good. Yeah, obviously TNT is huge in Puerto Rico. Like you mentioned, you were you know the Universal Champion a few times, and a guy oh, that you, oh, yes. and a guy that you feuded with for a, you know for a period of time, who was a huge star, huge name, was Abdullah the Butcher. What was it like feuding yeah. with him at that time? Because I mean, he was huge, obviously down there. I mean, he was huge all over the world, especially in Japan as well. But what was mm-hmm. it like feuding with Abby? Well, uh, was great when uh, before when I. Uh, Starting wrestling, I worked with the same company. I mean, I was a fan, of course, and uh, and I worked with the company because my uncles work there as a security. So I want to be next to the ring. I want to be next to the wrestlers and whatever. So I I got a job. So they they put me to work there. At the same time, I started jumping in the ring. I was doing some taekwondo before. So working. Close to Abdullah when he was, of course, the uh, performer here in Puerto Rico and knowing him backstage, then later being in, in the same uh, ring with him against an, as a tight team was a great experience, a great experience still today. He's the man that took me to Japan. He took me to uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling for the uh, one of the big-time tournaments that they do. Every year, I mean, I don't know if they're still doing it right now. I believe so. I don't know. But uh, I was in that tournament, and uh, wow. I remember, you know Baba the Giant. I remember yeah. 
it's a it's a match Wajima and Baba against Abdullah and TNT. You can look at that on on YouTube. That's the uh, the matching where I I put my boots on Jajin's Baba jaw. Uh, he saw that he went down for me, and uh, I mean, what's up? I mean, thank you big time for the man. And uh, what's what's up? You could see you could see if you see the video, watch Abdullah. Abdullah went like, whoa, like, what the heck? Nobody <laughs> kicked a man like that. You know, he was, he's seven, whatever, you know. And I just went stretch and boom, give him that kick right there. So Abdullah took me in in my early years in wrestling, and I was around with Dorian Terry Funk, which I worked with them in Puerto Rico. Jimmy Snuka, Stan Hansen, Bruce Brody, uh, uh whoa. I believe Rob Waters was there too. So many superstars in in that tournament, and the the young puppy was TNT. You know, and uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. You know that uh, you know he took me by the hand and, and teach me, of, of course, how to work in Japan. And uh, and after that, we come back to Puerto Rico, straight to uh, Three Kings Day, Abdullah against TNT. You know, for the North American uh, Championship belt. So, I mean, it was so good to work with him here in Puerto Rico and, of course, work with him in Japan. And uh, I mean, he's a great person. I mean, he's he's a great people, you know, I mean, at least with me, no? But, uh, I mean, it was, was good. Of course, good to work with him. Oh, yeah. Now so, and totally. I'm sorry, um, John, you go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, speaking of uh, Japan, I just wanted to mention that you also fought uh, Masahiro Chono and Shinya Hashimoto, two huge uh, Japanese legends. Yeah, yeah. What was it like that, wrestling that, in Japan? Did you enjoy it? I love, I love work in Japan. When uh, when Abdullah took me to that to that tournament, Baba and his people saw me and they loved my style, and they they right away they say they want me for January after that. I, I don't even remember what year it was to be honest. But they want me in January, the whole month. So Abdullah said, hey, you like to come back to Japan? I said, of course. What about for a month? I said, yes. He said, I need to talk to Carlos. I said, don't talk to Carlos. Talk to me. I want to come back, of course. You know, and uh, he said, okay, let me, t- let me call him. Of course. I mean, he took me from the company here in Puerto Rico to, to take me there and, and do some work. And I said, yes. And they took me back. And then later, uh, the relation... Hello? Yep, we're Hello. here. Oh, okay. Then the relation between the companies or whatever was broken. I mean, Carlos no one... You know, years after, I remember, I, you know, I found out. He no one want to send me there because he want to have his superstar here in Puerto Rico to draw some money, but I want to go to Japan. So years later, uh, uh, Victor Quinones, rest in peace, his soul, uh, he bring he brought here uh, Hatori Tiger Hatori and Ricky Shoshu and Masa Saito, so they come to see what talents they could take over there because Victor was doing some business with them, so they took me to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, I work I work I work with Masa Saito <clears throat> on a match on TV regular match easy stuff. At that time, of, of, co- of course, I, I have the experience how to work a lot better in the ring, the timing, blah, blah. So when I work with him, he gives the thumbs up 
right there from the ring to Ricky Shoshu. He said yes. And boom, they took me to Japan. Then later I worked with them for I don't know how many tours. Uh, that's in where later I I know in uh, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, rest in peace, soul. Yokozuna, rest in peace, soul. Brody, uh, uh, rest in peace. That man, I love Brody big time. Uh, when he was here in Puerto Rico, he told me, he said, T, you have a big time experience. Don't stay here. Go to the States. Go to some, some you know, don't stay here. These people are going to help you. I say, good, you know, so, you know, bad luck for, for him, of course, and me, you know, what happened to him, uh, you know, then I, I looked, of course, in that matter, my, my career hold, but, you know, thank God, you know, everything moved a little bit better, but working in Japan was, uh, was great, great experience, I love Japan, to be honest, after that, I worked with, uh, like you say, Masa Shono, uh, Ricky Shoshu, Masa Saito, uh, the tournaments. I mean, uh, you name it. Was was a great experience working in that company. Oh yeah, totally. And like I said, you know, earlier in the show, you know, you're you're worldwide known, but when you sign with the WWF, you know, in, in the mid '90s, they put a mask on your face rather than the the paint for TNT. Was there any hesitancy on your part to put a mask on? And what was that like uh, jumping to uh, the big North American uh, entity of the WWF? Yeah, when um, uh, who, who took me, who took me and, and, and talked to Vince was uh, Scott Hall. Scott Hall, I worked with him here in Puerto Rico so many times, so he was there doing Rester Ramon. So uh, then Yokozuna went to WWF. Bam Bam Bigelow went to WWF. And we are together, you know, almost – yeah, two years before in Japan, so they from there they jumped to to WWF. So one day I say I said to somebody I re, I couldn't remember who I said tell tell the boss I say hello. So Pacer right there talked to Vince say hey, I got this kid from Puerto Rico blah blah blah. He said well bring him to to TV let's see it let's give it him a try out. And I try out two times as a TNT. They love my work blah blah blah. So they sent me home for almost three months. I never hear a word from WWF. One day I say, hey, I just quit my job because you guys told me that I'm going to be, you know, working with you guys. And now I'm sitting here at home with no money, broken. What's going to happen? Here come Pat Patterson called me. He say, okay, kid, we're going to bring you down, blah, blah, blah. So they flew me there. I sit down with uh, J.J. Dillon and Vince. In, in in Stanford, and uh, here they give me a contract. They flew me the same day. I went in the morning, come back in the afternoon with a contract in my hands. So I was so happy. Uh, the only people that know was my parents and my ex-wife. <laughs> so huh. I, I say, well, when the when the, the rest of the people see that I'm going to be there, it's gonna be, they're going to be crazy. So they want to use the, the the paint. I don't know why, you know. And uh, I said, let's put you a mask, and you're gonna be called Quang. So I said, okay, whatever you say, you pay him, you know. So I I did <laughs> I did what I did as a you know I did what I did as a Quang. That character I believe was so strong in one point 
that I we and I don't I don't know exactly the year, but it was a match against Bret Hart for the world title, yeah. and we break the ratings in that in that about that time was I don't know what uh, it was when three point something uh, on ratings, you know, and in uh, week after we come back on TV. And that was a tape match. That's what Raw was live one week and taped the next week. So we did, we did, listen to the story. We, uh, we went to the arena and Brett always was late. <laughs> and, and we are for the first hour to tape Quan uh, against uh, uh, Brett. And I'm, I'm so excited. I said, hey, we are, I don't know where, was in, I know it was Connecticut. As a we work first hour and we out of here, so no bread, no bread. First hour is gone. Now they start a light show. Two hours after, no bread, and uh, he show up later. So we went to the fourth hour, which is the, the second hour taping, and wrestle uh, in a tape match and break the ratings. So they they promote that match was good match between him and me, and. And of course, the people believe in Quang for some reason, whatever. And uh, <laughs> and the and the, and the ratings was, uh, uh, you know, broke. And then later, Vince says we're gonna change your character. I said, why? Why you know keep Quang and let's do something? I said, yeah, yeah, I like Quang, but I have something better. I said, okay. So they put Savio Vega. So <clears throat> I said, well, let's do Savio Vega then. That's when uh, I, I come on, uh, forget the, the town right now, jumped the barricades and went to save my old pal, Mr. Ramon. You know, you got two two guys uh, from the street, one from Miami and the other one from the Bronx, you know, two fighters, whatever, and uh, together. So that's that's why they, you know, that's, that's when they put me uh, as, a, as a Savio Vega. Yeah, and uh, you know I can't I can't hold it back. It's one of my favorite uh, runs of that WWF era is the Savio Vega debut. Got to be up there as one of the uh, the all times. But you were so over as Savio Vega. The fans are so into you. It was a great run. You had a lot of great feuds. You worked with Scott Hall for so long. You kind you know you yeah. had some great matches with Dustin Rhodes. You know Jeff Jarrett. The list goes on and on. But just if we can, because I know we're kind of running short on time, just. Uh, why did it? Why did you turn heel? Why did they turn you? Because you were so over that why I kind of feel know. like abruptly they tra- <laughs> they turned you. <laughs> yeah, they put me in national domination, and and I don't know, my friend. You know, they they do some crazy stuff over there sometimes. You know, it's like things that don't make sense for one people and make sense for them. So I don't know. They they turned me to the nation, and uh, and I feel of course that I could do. I mean, a lot of things. I never, I never win a, a, a belt in WWE, you know, and I don't need it because, I mean, I was there with no belt and, and over with some fans and okay with others because my work, you know, and um, I love that. I love that, you know, and a couple of times that we did something with belts, I mean, was like, a, yeah, right there, and boo, what happened? But, but I mean, that's the nature of the business. You know, I guess right now everybody's a champ. They have so many bells that, you know, when you just walk in, it's, hey, pick whatever you want, you know. 
But uh, but what what's good? What's good? Uh, working in WWF at the time, I uh, the date the uh, Jim Bros told me, hey man, we're gonna finish you. You know, we don't have nothing for you. Whatever, blah blah blah. I say <clears throat> I I went to Vince's office and thanked him because uh, what I learned over there, I learned a lot. You know, watching the TV, the, how the TV was working, how the uh, couple of things here was working there, and you know, there um, the management, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and uh, I mean, I love working with the company. Right now, of course, it's big time different. I just found out uh, a couple of months. These a bunch of guys that work. Uh, when I was there in backstage, they don't they they, they don't work there no more. I'm like, wow, you know. People, I mean, they they have to do what they have to do, of course, for surviving in the business. Now, speaking of WWF and your time there, you had a big-time feud with somebody who became one of the biggest stars of all time, and you kind of put him on the map, if you will, in the WWF that was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Did you foresee him becoming as big as he did when you were feuding with him? Because that was an awesome feud. Yeah, well, listen, when when I, we are in San Antonio, Texas, I lazy my boots, here come uh, Pat Patterson with him. And we sit down and Pat says, Savio, I have this guy here, it's the first time he's going to work with us, we want to see him, see, you know, how he works. And uh, let's try it, you go over, put the match together. I said, okay. So I sit down, I sit right there with Steve, I say, bro, I don't know you. You don't know me. Uh, the finish that I use is a spinning kick like this, whatever. Let's call it in the ring. Okay, man. You you say, you do you want to do something special? He say, no. I say, well, let's, let's call it in the ring. I don't know him before, but he, he, of course, after that, you know, years later, at least in talking to people here, there, he have a lot of experience, you know. So when we have that match, my friend, that was like uh, a switch clock. That match was so nice and easy for us. They they put us together. You know, you see the story. They put us together everywhere. We went from uh, five-minute match to almost half-an-hour match nonstop and house shows. The guys, you know, sometimes got mad at us. Come on, we got to go. We need to go. But we have so fun inside the ring, you know, working, that sometimes the time gone and we're still there doing whatever. So that's why, you know, the story when they uh, they put us with the uh, Caribbean strap match, the uh, the mask when I was the, the, the Caribbean kid and beat him the first time, uh, when he told me, hey, I want to do this finishing move, and I uh, worked with, with him that, that night. I love to try, you know, it's possible. I said, brother, whatever you want. I mean, we don't have a no to each other. We don't have a no. Let's let's do it. Let's try, whatever. And uh, that's why now we say the first time they took the stoner was Savio Vega. Of course. I mean, we're working together. Why 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 going to be an ass and say no, you know? So um, it, it, the same thing with Goldust. Pat come to me and says, Fabio, we have go and I saw Goldust, Dustin sitting down uh, for for you know times on TV, painting and didn't even use it. I asked him one time, hey, what happened? Is now you know just sitting here, say, brother, I know I can do something with you. 
I have a good idea to, and he, I guess he told Pat, and Pat here come and says, Sabio, you know, they got, we got Dustin here doing nothing. You think you got something with us? I said, I, let me work it out. And and we have a routine. I have a routine with, with Dustin, and we just work, I mean, big time. You know, and I went to I went to WrestleMania with uh, Stone Cold, but Vince never, never, Give us a pay per view with Dustin, and we are one time in some I don't know what's time for somewhere in Connecticut, and Vince show up there a Sunday, and everybody was like the boss is here blah blah blah, so I have a match with Dustin, and we just did what we did a routine, and went so good that when I went I went to the back Vince come to me shake my hand said what a match, damn I say put us in a pay per view, he said yeah yeah <laughs> he said yeah yeah that's it. I guess maybe he'd say, yeah, well, it was a good match, but I don't like it. But he never put us in the pay-per-view. But I know I have a good chemistry with those gentlemen, you know. And, uh, I mean, good for them. they still there. Bad for me. I went out. So, you know, uh, they still living with, uh, you know, from the company. And I still working regular jobs in Indies to make a living. But that's life. That's life. Yep. Do you remember uh, wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin at Beware of Dog when the lights went out? Was that like a weird experience? Of course. That that's that's what that was the uh, first Caribbean strap match. Uh, if you see that, soon the camera shoot me. Boom! The this, uh, the lighting strike. Was a storm outside, and they don't have the the generators by that time. So the light went out, and the lights don't come back till almost the last match. So they have. To, they say, "Hey, just work." I mean, took us, took us almost uh, ten minutes just killing time, bullshit, bullshit. So they say, "Have a match," because the lights look like don't come. So we need to have a match in progress, just in case. So we went inside the ring and and uh, and we work it, and we start doing the match with the. I mean, that was a real lights out match, Caribbean style match. So. On Tuesday, they have to do their own core presentation of uh, the pay-per-view. That's when they say, well, the match don't went on air live. We need to do this again on Tuesday. So we are all beat up. You know, we are like, oh, okay. So we have 25 minutes Sunday. So they had another five minutes on Tuesday. So you guys have half an hour for this match. And, and Pat said, sorry, you know how to sing? I said, no. He said, well, you're going to sing. And you know this song, na, 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 hey, hey. I said, well, I thought he's kidding. I said, okay, yeah. I said, no, you're going to do it because what happened, you know, Ted DBS is going to WCW, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, great. Let's do it. So that's part of the story with the Caribbean Strap match in, in that day. Now, obviously we talked about it briefly, though. You were in the Nation of Domination you know, it was kind of an eclectic group. Ron Simmons, PG-13, you had yeah. Crush. Did you think it was an odd pairing to throw you guys all together, or did you enjoy that pairing with uh, Ron Simmons and the guys? Oh, I, I love it. I love that team. I believe that that team was so strong. I mean, we 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 talked to Vince one day, and we, that's when we talk and say, let's put Ahmed Johnson in that crew too. They say, no, you guys are going to be too strong. 
and who's going to wrestle you? Well, that's, I mean, if we are strong, you put another tight team, I mean, another team of the baby face, and they're going to be powerful too. Now you got two strong teams because, I mean, you're going to make them big time. So he said, no, no, no. That's when he started moving, changing people here, break the, uh, the facts. So I have, I bring the Boricuas, they have the uh, DOA and the nation and blah, blah. But I enjoy, of course, working as a heel with uh, the nation. I love that. Now, as we uh, start to wind it down here, something very curious about, um, especially, um, you know, with you, and you had a small feud with uh, Triple H. I mean, you guys had a bunch of matches. But when, you know, we were feuding with him at that point, did you ever foresee him being like the boss, quote-unquote, of the company or basically being able to take over one day for Vince down the road? No, no, no. But, but I mean, but I guess later, you know, after I left, he, you know, the circumstances of life, change somewhere uh but no i remember saw him the first time uh in some of the towns is tv and and he, he just come down from wcw and uh he's sitting there in one of the uh the boxes of the tv you know crew and uh i say hello but i mean then from there the click uh matches blah 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 and of course i mean great for him of course that's uh i mean now he he's you have a big-time life over there. Now, throughout your career, you've wrestled so many great guys. I mean, we talked about Abdul the Butcher before, obviously Carlos Colon, Dick Murdoch, Buddy Landell. You've even wrestled um, Carlito, uh, you know, Carlos' son, yeah. uh, even mm-hmm. a crazy guy like the Necro Butcher. You even had a chance to wrestle Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan. But do you have a favorite match or matches that you've had throughout your career? Wow, man! I mean, you just mentioned big time names there. Uh, the the Samoans, Afanica, Yokozuna, the IRS. Wow! I mean, I've been working with a bunch of superstars. Uh, I can I, I, I can tell you. I mean, all the matches that I have with those guys have been great, you know, to me and and, and for me. But to have, like, a, this match and this match, I mean, I mean, all the matches that I've been having with those guys are been great, to be honest. It's, it's hard. It's hard at this time to say this and that. I mean, it's hard. Do you have a favorite? I mean, you've had so many great opponents. But do you have a favorite opponent, um, you know, that you got in there with and you just click with and, you, you know, you just thought, man, I love working with this guy? Well, Steve was one of those guys. Uh, another guy was Carl Moffat. He's uh, from Canada. He worked here in Puerto Rico as a Jason, the terrible. I mean, wow, what a chemistry. And, and working with that guy was a shoot because we, he, I mean, was, I was a young puppy, and we hit each other so hard. I mean, he, he had that old hockey mask, and he hit me hard with that mask. I just kicked the hell out of him because he had mask, of course, I dislocated his jaw three times uh, working. Mm-hmm. He knocked me out a couple of times, you know, but, I mean, we enjoy it. Then later we are like, hey, uh, this is for real and we're going to work. But, I mean, it was, was good. It was great working with that guy. And just um, really curious about this question because it's so intriguing and so many people have different answers on it. But did you like doing the brawl for all or did you think that was a stupid idea? Well, when when they have the idea, I mean, of doing that, I was in my house 
doing a sun tan on my neck because I, that, by the time I got a nerve pinch big time, here comes Bruce Preacher and called me and said, Savio, we have this idea. Raw for all is going to be like this. You're going to make this amount, amount of money. You win or lose. If you make it to the end, you're going to make this such of money. Plus, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, sounds good. Let's, let's do it. So we sit down to discuss the rules with guys. It's going to be takedowns. They're not going to be takedowns. You could use the, the, the kicks or, you know, or not the kick. Uh, it's like an MMA, you know, type of, of deal. So the guys, they don't want kicks because, they, well, we don't know about some karate, but Savio does, and he's going to kick our asses. So we cut the, the kicks. Then the takedowns and holes, they say no because uh, I forget the name right now. It just slipped out of my head. Uh, he just fought. He fought a couple of months ago, and uh, they say no because uh, this this guy how how to do MMA. So uh, okay, boxing two minutes, the globes, the this. And, I mean, took a little bit of uh, of the time to to decide what exactly they're gonna do. But I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I win the first match and lose the second, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was different, but you know what? Everybody does have a different take. Now, Savio, before you tell everybody where they can find everything there is for Savio Vega, just tell us, what do you think your legacy is at the end of the day for Savio Vega, TNT, Quang, and all the characters you played throughout your career? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I don't know, my friend. I did even thought about it, but, uh, I mean, I hope everybody... Remember Savio Vega, TNT, O'Quang, you know, as a, a, a great performer. And, and what I did is, of course, was to do my work and, and make the people enjoy it uh, in, in, inside the ring what I did. So it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Hey, that's it's, fine. Well, Savio, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We didn't even get a chance to ask you about the epic fake razor uh, and Diesel feud, but we'll save that for part two. But thanks so much, man. It's been yeah, a lot of fun. Let's do it. Let's just let's do the part two. And everybody that's listening, you could get on Facebook, Savio Vega official fan page, on Twitter at Savio Vega or at Ninja TNT. So take care, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Savio. You, Have a great night, man. You too.